Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumwatt Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumwatt or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumwatt.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Well, good morning, Grumlaw Church, and Merry Christmas. I know that some of you, when you hear Christmas, you get all excited because you love everything to do with Christmas, the lights, the presents, the parties. But I also know that there are those of you, when you hear Christmas, I kind of hear, even in your living rooms or your cars or the treadmill where you're running, I hear that kind of, oh, that collective groan of, I'm just not ready. And I remember a really funny meme that I saw, and it said, do you, are you ready for Christmas? And then underneath it said, no, I'm not even ready for today. So I know that some of you, that's how you feel. Um, but I have good news for you this morning. You see, you don't have to have everything done. You don't have to have all the presents wrapped, your cards written out, your plans set in stone in order to look forward to Christmas because this morning Jesus is inviting you into something better. And so before we go into our message for today, I just want to pray over you. I think that's the best gift that I can give to you. So Father, I just thank you for every person who is listening to this today, who's watching it on their couch, who might be at the gym on the treadmill. Father, I just pray in this moment that your Holy Spirit would fall and they would just feel your peace. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, into this day, into this space. And we just ask that you would clear our minds from all that we have to do, from all the expectations, from all, for all the plans and all the undone stuff that comes at this time. And that you would open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, and that you would reveal truth to our hearts. And I pray, Father, even in this moment, that even as we say amen and open our eyes, that there would just be a change in the atmosphere, God. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, you ready? Well, we are in our third week of our series, The Gift, where we have been talking about the significance of the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus. And we're going to start by reading in Matthew chapter 2. And I actually want you to read along with me. So there's going to be a 30 second timer that's going to come up. Go run, grab your Bibles, open up to Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament. It's one of the gospel accounts, which is the good news about Jesus. And so I'm going to give you a second. If you don't have a paper Bible, just download the YouVersion app on your phone. That's even better because then you can have the Bible with you wherever you go. So we're going to give you 30 seconds to go grab that.
All right, so Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 11, and it says this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah who's supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're going to look at that last verse, verse 11, that says, They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so you'll notice that they entered a house. They didn't enter a manger or a cave uh, where Jesus was born. It wasn't a stable. They didn't worship a baby. They bowed down and worshiped a child. And so we see that this was a long time after the birth of Jesus, about a year and a half to two years is what they say it took for the wise men to follow the star. Um, they bowed down and worshiped him upon coming into this house and they gave him gifts. And you see, these gifts were costly gifts and they were highly significant. And I remember when I learned that because I did not know that these gifts uh, represented anything. I didn't know that they were significant. I just thought that maybe it was some kind of ancient tradition that this is the gifts that the uh, wise men from another country would bring to a baby. And then I learned differently that these gifts in fact did have an incredible significance because they revealed who Jesus was and they foreshadowed the role that he would play. You see, frankincense foreshadowed that Jesus would be our priest. He would be our high priest. Frankincense represented Jesus's priestly nature. And you see, the role of a priest in the Old Testament was that he represented the people before God. He was the one who sacrificed um, on their behalf for the forgiveness of their sins. And Jesus, was our earthly representative. He lived the perfect, pleasing life that we could not. He represented us to God by praying prayers on our behalf and that he was our ultimate sacrifice. He paid the price for our sins once and for all. So frankincense showed that Jesus would be our high priest. And then myrrh. And you see, myrrh was bitter, and it was costly, and it was using, or used for embalming um, bodies. And this foreshadowed that Jesus would be our suffering servant and that his death would be bitter and costly. And lastly, they gave him gold. And gold is a gift fit for a king. 
Jesus was and is our king. But you see, he is no ordinary king. Jesus is a king like no other. All right, so to get us ready for all of this king talk this morning and it's audience participation, and I know that I can't hear you, but maybe you want to beat the you know person on the couch next year. Even if you're running on the treadmill, man, you can just shout it out. People think you're crazy. It'll be okay. All right, but the game is called Name That King. So a picture is going to come up and you have to tell me who this king is. We're going to start with the category of animals. And so when you see this lion, you think... Lion King, that's right. All right, all right, one more animal. You see this big gorilla? You think? That's right, King Kong. All right, let's move on to food. What about this? You see this burger? Burger King. You got it. Hey, you guys are doing really good. All right, it's going to get a little harder here. We're going to move into people. When you think scary novels, you think Stephen King. Very good. How about an interviewer? Larry King. Man, you guys are good. All right, I'm going to stump you here. I love, we're going to move to sports, and I love the sport of tennis, and I don't think tennis gets enough recognition. So this tennis player is Billie Jean King. Man, all right, those of you who got out here, we could be friends. All right, how about music? When you think of blues, you think B.B. King. Very good. How about jazz? This one's a little bit harder, but I got it when I played. Nat King Cole, very good. All right, and this last one should be a no-brainer. When you see this, you think Jesus, that's right. But do you know what the difference is between all the other kings and this last king? It's that Jesus is a king like no other. Jesus is, in 1 Timothy, and this is a letter by a man named Paul who wrote to his protege, Timothy. Paul was a church planter all over. And Timothy says this in 1 Timothy 6, 15. He says, Timothy, for just at the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of of lords. And notice here in this verse, it is king, capital king of kings, lowercase k, and L, capital L, Lord of L, lowercase l, lords. Jesus is the supreme authority over all kingdoms in this world. He is the king of kings, but you see, he is a king like no other. Kings were expected to be born in palaces, in wealth, and to a queen. But Jesus was born into poverty, in a cave, surrounded by farm animals. And wealth to a queen? He was born to two teenagers, a mother out of wedlock, a bunch of nobodies. You see, kings are expected to rule with sheer power, to demand loyalty, to defend their kingdom at any cost. But Jesus wasn't a king by force. He didn't wield his power over us. In fact, in Philippians, uh, which is also written by the same man, Paul, he says this about Jesus. It's as though he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges 
What king gives up his privileges, let alone divine privileges? He took the humble position of a slave. What king is a slave? And was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. What king has to be obedient to anyone? I mean, he's the king. He tells people what to do. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, the King, doesn't demand that we obey him. He doesn't demand our loyalty as other earthly kings have done. This is a, a story you'll probably remember from uh, when you went to church as a child, or maybe you've heard it. Um, this is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, they were um, foreign, uh, taken off as prisoners of war from Jerusalem into Babylon, where there was this king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And man, he was so egotistical, so full of himself. He erected a 90-foot statue and then demanded that people be loyal. They, he demanded that they bow down and worship this statue of him, but you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, no way, we will never bow down to an earthly king. And Jesus never demands forces. He just simply invites us to follow him. He's gentle. He woos us with his kindness. That's what Romans 2, 4 tells us. You see, kings expect their subjects to die for him. But Jesus, the king of kings, a king like no other, died for us. The people of Jesus' day, the Jews, they were, they were waiting for a king. They were waiting for the king like we said, to be born into wealth and power and influence. They were waiting for a king to right the political wrongs and injustices done against them. They wanted a king who would agree with them that those who went to the right places of worship and said the right things and wore the right things, that they were better than the others who didn't have it all together. They wanted a king who would rule with an iron scepter. They wanted a king whose kingdom would be of this earth and bring ultimate victory for their cause. But because of their expectations, they missed it. They missed Jesus, the Messiah, their Savior, the King. They missed it. They missed Him, Jesus. They missed the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They missed the man who would be acquainted with many sorrows. They missed the king who chose to wear our flesh so that we could be saved from our sins. They missed the kindness of God each time they turned away when Jesus ate with sinners, forgave prostitutes, included despised tax collectors as one of his own. They missed it when he elevated the position of women and children in society. They missed the healing and comfort of a king 
who loved his people so much that he chose to wade into their filth, chose to wade into their own man-made disasters. He chose to wade into their sickness and into their weakness. Because Jesus wasn't who they expected him to be, they missed it. They missed him, Jesus. They missed their king. They missed their savior. They missed the one who desired to set them free from their dead religion, from slavery to sin, from their anxiety and depression, from the meaninglessness of an unfulfilled life. This is what the Jews missed. But there's a cautionary tale for us today. Do we miss Jesus because of our expectations? Do we miss the answers to our prayers because they're not answered the way that we want them to be? We say, God, heal right here, right now. But God says, I'm doing a new thing. He says, I'm your healer, child, trust me. He says, I'm working all things together for your good. We cry out, God, don't you see me? God, don't you care? God, where are you? Why are you so far away? And God says, I see you. He says, though I, Jesus, was God, I didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, I gave up my divine privileges. I took the position of a humble position of a slave. I was born to a human being, and I humbled myself in obedience to my Father, and I died a criminal's death on a cross. You don't see me. I don't see you. I don't care. I'm not close. You see, the truth is that God is, and all that he has done for us is written for us in this book. It's written for you. It's a love letter to you from God, the God who sees you. It has been preserved and protected. Do you know the New Testament for over 1,700 years and the Old Testament so much longer than that? It has been preserved and passed down from generation to generation so that you could read it for yourself, so that you could know that you know that you know that you know that God is for you. And he proved it to you when he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. And not only that, do you know that not only can you read these words, but God has given you a church full of people who his word and his radical transformation has been written all over their lives. All you have to do is ask my friend John, he's our worship pastor, and how ask him how God lifted him out of a deep, deep pit of depression and brought him new life. Ask our friend Sean how God saved him from the bondage of addiction. Ask Shay and Andrea how he gave them a son to call their very own. Ask my friend Jan how God answered a 20-year prayer for her stepson to be released from the chains and the bondage of addiction and how this son had a radical encounter with Jesus and now he is free. Ask my friend Heather about how God is rewriting her past and giving her a new future. Jesus our king just isn't in the pages of this book. He has written his story all over our lives. And I want to ask you this question. 
Are you missing him? And perhaps it's a willful decision. I don't need God. I don't need this antiquated book full of rules. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I don't want to submit to anybody. I'm my own person. Do you miss Jesus out of a willful dismissal? Maybe you just are indifferent or lazy to Jesus. You think, oh, you know what, maybe someday when I get around to it. Or I'll go to Chris, you know, church on Christmas or Easter. You know, that surely just, you know, like checks the box. God's okay with that. I'll read my Bible when I, I don't know, I just, I, I don't want to get up in the morning. It's really hard for me. I don't want to set my alarm earlier. But do you miss Jesus because you're indifferent or lazy? Those are two responses that are very common. They were common in Jesus' day. And we could be like King Herod, who had all of the children to and under murdered because he didn't want to admit that Jesus was king. We could be like the Jews who just said, eh, he's not who we expected him to be, so they just dismissed him. Or we could be like the wise men who saw and heard and accepted the truth. And what did they do when they saw Jesus? They bowed down and worshiped him. And you see, that is the only logical response to the truth that Jesus was God, but he left his throne to become a slave, to appear as a human, to be obedient, and then to die our death. The only response, the only appropriate response would be to fall down on our faces and worship him as the king of kings. And that can be your response this Christmas. You can say, well, may I, in the past, I, was, I willfully put him away. In the past, I've been dismissive or I've just been lazy. But today I have heard the truth and I want to tell you this and I want to tell you this with love and kindness that you won't be able to stand before God and say, I, I didn't know. Because today, this day, December 18th, 2022, you heard the truth and you will be held responsible for that truth. And my prayer, our prayer, Shay's prayer is that your response would be, oh my word. I can't believe what God did for me. I want to give everything, my whole life. God, I give you everything. That is my appropriate response to you. I'm going to bow down and worship Jesus, the King of Kings. Father God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sending Jesus. We are not worthy. I am not worthy for you to take my place. And Jesus, I have willfully pushed you aside. I have been dismissive. I have been lazy. You know I have been in the past. And God, I say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I am a sinner. And Jesus, today, write my heart towards you 
Search my thoughts. Know me, God. Write my heart and my posture towards you. You are my king. You are the king of kings. You are a king like no other king that has ever been before. And you are worthy of my all. You are worthy of my obedience. You are worthy of my loyalty. You are worthy of all of my time, all of my energy, all of my thoughts, everything. Jesus, I give to you today. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you have done for us. If there's anyone listening right now who has never said those words, Jesus, you are the King of Kings. I know now, I see your truth and I want to be different. If they could just say a simple prayer. Jesus, I believe that you were and are God and you came to this earth for me, that you died my death. I am a sinner, Jesus, forgive me and help me, Holy Spirit, to live a new life. I want to live for you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you are going to do, what you have already done, and what you will continue to do. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So good news is, if you prayed that prayer, you could celebrate Christmas a very different way. I say welcome to the family. We love you. Thanks for watching Grumlaw this morning. Merry Christmas.